Okay, welcome to another episode of FTU, Life After the Military. I'm your host, Tony Rodriguez. And if you're wondering, hey, is there something different about that theme music? It's like, yeah, you're right. It is. That's the New Japan Pro Wrestling version of uh, Turbo Charge. You guys have a very keen ear. Uh, but today I'm joined by my friend, Al. And uh, Al and I served together for a while. And uh, I don't want to give too much information because I don't want people stalking him. <laughs> And, uh, yeah. but, uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about leadership and just, uh, the whole, uh, myth of how this military leadership transfers over automatically transfers over to the civilian sector. Uh, but with that, Al, um, take it away. Yeah. Hey, uh, great to be here with you, man. Uh, good to catch up. You know, it's been a while. Uh, it's been, it's been great keeping in touch. So I honestly, uh, uh, I got to listen to some of your episodes and, I feel supremely underqualified to be on the show with you. I, I'm, I'm definitely uh, pretty fat and tired, but I'm, I'm still in actually. So uh, I don't have the perspective that a lot of your guests have on transitioning, getting out. But uh, I've heard some great advice, and it's been uh, it's been cool hearing about your journey out. But yeah, definitely happy to provide what insight I can. Yeah, so um, I've talked. A little bit about leadership in the military. I've made it perfectly clear that I've taken a lot of classes on leadership. I'm looking to pursue my PhD in global leadership, um, but at best, I'm probably a seventy percent leader, right? Um, which is a C minus, and and that's fine. That's getting the job done. <laughs> uh, but I want to talk about leadership specifically. Um, from the military aspect, because there are a lot of people that are in leadership positions in the military and think that that's automatically going to transfer over. But before we started this episode, I was telling you about a young uh, lieutenant in the 82nd, um, very thin fellow, had very skinny arms. Um, so, of course, he had to like flex his arms out to make himself look bigger. And he just used a very loud voice for everything, right? To try to, I guess, to try to intimidate people. But at best, he was probably about 140 pounds and that's with his boots on, right? <laughs> um, so this one evening, there's a, you know, one of those, these jumps where it's 11 aircraft max. It's a combination of C-17s and C-130s and everybody's jumping in and they decide, Hey, you know what, what we're going to do is we're just going to do a center line turn in. Right. But you don't have to get marked off. You just go to the center line and just drop it off. Right. And then just take off. Like you don't check in with anybody. Yeah. Just drop your parachute off. And if somebody's there, great. If somebody's not, don't worry about it. Well, the problem with that is the 40 turret air wing, right? They're, they're notorious for putting people in the trees. <laughs> easily four aircraft ended up in the trees. Oh my God. And so what turned into was supposed to be about an 18 hour uh, parachute detail turned into a four day adventure getting parachutes off of Sicily drop zone. And at one point uh, this young Lieutenant lost three of us because he didn't take a simple head count. Good God. And he didn't take any MREs. He took no water. Because he planned for the best case scenario where, hey, we're going to go out there and we'll be out, out of there in 12 hours max. Yeah. It never occurred to him that things don't go according to the plan. 
And I'd like to say this was an isolated incident in my military career, but it seems like at every stop I had uh, it, just imbeciles. There's no <laughs> good way to put it, just imbeciles that were in leadership positions. Not all the time, not all the time. But you sure. always had like, um, you know, one person here or there that you like, you don't know how this person even makes it to work every day. <laughs> uh, but they're in a leadership position. And for me to see these people trying to get out and having a difficult time, they shouldn't be surprised at that. Yeah. Um, because like I was talking, once you get out, when you go on these interviews, the people on the other side may not know anything about the military. Their perception is what they see on in movies, right? Or what they hear on the news. Or what do they hear on the news? Somebody losing it and going and shooting up a bar in Ohio. Yeah. Right? They What do they see in the movies? People losing it and like shooting up places. Yeah. They don't – there's a little bit of a fear that, one, you're still going to have that crazy like uh, Arlie Ermey from uh, – what was that? Uh, Full Metal Jacket. That's right. You're going to be that drill sergeant type yelling at people, giving people the knife edge, or you're going to be the psychopath and you're going to come in here and shoot everyone. Jesus. And so I try to emphasize for people to leave. You got to leave the military behind. You know, hold on to your good memories and hold on to what you learned that's going to help you. But all that other craziness of, we saw it ourselves where, sure. you know, um, you'd have people who'd come in in a new leadership position. And <laughs> in order to get recognition, they totally disassemble or deconstruct the system that's working and it's pretty good oh, and yeah. try to come up with a new system so they can say, hey, look, I, look what I fixed. It was screwed up before and I fixed it all. <laughs> It's funny. You know. I knew who you were talking about before you even described it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. There's no one specific. There's no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. General vignette. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we saw that, right? And sure. doing that in the regular world is probably going to get you fired. Yeah. Because nobody wants to recreate something that's already working. And what I found is, uh, Human resources is a very, in the army, we're very yeah. good at just, okay, well, we have a dispute, so I'm going to discuss it with you, or I'll go and I'll talk to my first sergeant, and uh -huh. then he could handle it, right? Yeah. Well, in the civilian world, they don't do that. Like, I don't like the way you look at me. I'm just going to go to HR. I'm going to bypass everyone. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to talk to the boss. I'm just going straight to HR. Next thing you know, you have HR calling you, and it's like, I... I didn't even know I was doing that. Like, <laughs> like, if you do the knife edge, you're going to get talked to. It's very intimidating. Tony, are you, are you confessing to me right now? You already have an HR case against you? No, no, no. This <laughs> this was an example. And this is what I appreciated about that Onward to Opportunity program is they okay. brought in a, a retired general who was yeah. a um, uh, he was running a hospital up in Maryland, right? And he was yeah. talking about when he went, um, he, he he was talked to by HR several times. Oh, my gosh. Um, because he didn't even realize that he was doing the knife edge. He just, when he would do his meetings, 
he would just talk like that. He's like, and they just found like it breathing. intimidating. <laughs> like he, he was using his gestures, his hand gestures, right? Just and his coworkers found it intimidating. Yeah. His pants, he would have them pressed, right? He was he would wear suits, and so he would take it to the dry cleaner so they press his pants, uh-huh. and they found that intimidating. Oh wow! His shoes, he made sure that they were always shined. Oh come on, man! And like <laughs> that—that's—it's too much. It's—it's it's very intimidating the way he dresses. A little extra, yeah. So things that you don't think would be offensive might be offensive to people who have no experience with the military. Yeah. And I, you know, I wanted to bring you on. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to get Marilyn on because um, I reached out to Fernando, but he, you know, I don't know where Fernando is. He's, you know, I'm sure in a room. He's doing great things. Great thoughts, just writing them down and just dotting them <laughs> over to like big corporations and you know, yeah. making, turning that into a million dollars. I'll, I'll never forget the first time. Uh, I mean, you know, I've obviously I'd met you and we're working together and, uh, you introduced me to, to Fernando. You're like, Hey, when that guy talks, you listen, you take notes. <laughs> yeah. Like Fernando was talking one time about making omelets. I was like over there writing down in my hand. She's like, man, <laughs> he's got a better way. Yeah. you can be the best omelets ever. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, man, I uh, definitely, uh, a ton to unpack there. I think there's, so, you know, um, especially uh, as a guy who's still in, you know, my perspective is still, um, I guess, uniquely military. But I think, you know, just through our line of work, um, you know, we got to we, we got to work in some environments that weren't as military. So getting exposed to a little bit of that culture, realizing that that cultural clash there. Um, yeah. I mean, like what a journey to go from a joint operational access exercise on Sicily drop zone and then, like I imagine, 140 pound LT. Like, if that dude did the traditional officer thing and just jumped ship after a few years, he took all of that invisible lat syndrome energy right into his first job doing, God knows, supply chain management in Iowa or something. And he was probably the dude, Mister Roboto, knife handing his his coworkers. And it just—I mean—it's more than. You know, because like I may, maybe I'm, uh, since I'm still in the military, like I still have the blinders on. But I mean, I, I think there's there's so much good that comes from military experience. You know, like I think there's a lot of goodness, but I think you're absolutely right. Like as far as transitioning, not getting too caught up in your chest candy and things that you know maybe were really important. You know, being a Things that maybe your your peers really valued, you know, your your combat awards or your, you know, uh, what level what level jump master you were, like all those things. Yeah, those are all things to be proud of. But once you get outside, I mean, no one is ever going to ask you how many jumps you had <laughs> while you're in. Um, and that leadership, which you know, to you might have been being a stick pusher or like you know, getting guys to commit to the jump door. Uh, how is it you put it like uh, you said when you were standing in front of the board, like definition of leadership in 2001 was getting people to do stuff they don't want to do. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. If that's the bar we're trying to hit, I mean, that's like, that's a little I, too low. I, I was thinking it's like, that's like a, I don't know, dictator <laughs> yeah. definition of leadership, right? Like a Kim Jong-un <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah. It's 
And I guess it works for those guys. But uh, yeah, like it, I, I get why you know, like a combat situation or like down on the tactical level, you you need some of that direction. Yeah, but you know, I, I think about I think about some of the best leaders I've served with, and it always comes back. So, like the thing that that blew my mind. Um. So I, you know, full confession, I'm, I'm an officer. And, uh, so my first real exposure to anything military whatsoever, I, I did the whole cadet, uh, pathway. And I remember just even then as a cadet, um, I had not been exposed to the military at all. You know, I, I, I grew up in, in Queens, New York. Uh, there's not really a whole lot of military presence in New York, New Jersey. So the first time I had ever seen an M16, like done anything remotely military was, uh, was showing up as a cadet. And I was blown away. I was like, everybody here is just a regular person or like, this is just right. This is the rest of America, which is exactly what the army is supposed to be. It's an all volunteer force, at least in the U S it's a microcosm of the rest of our society. And then, you know, we get indoctrinated and start cutting our hair in weird shapes and jump out of airplanes and stuff. But, um, the, the leaders I always most looked up to were the ones that still felt like human beings it seems weird to contrast that with being a soldier, right? But um, maybe it's just what the way we've colored it over the last 20 years of of the global war and terrorism and always being at war. But it's it's almost become this other thing. And I don't want to detract at all, like, the perils of combat and, you know, uh, just the, the hardships of PTSD, like all the things that result from that. But, um, yeah, it seemed like, the best leaders are always those who um, retain that empathy. And it's the same, like, you know, unless, unless you're wired differently for the most part, um, I think most human beings have that ability to connect and understand and relate. I don't know how we lose that. Like that, that LT you're talking about, he was probably, he probably just came out of college, you know, like what, what do you do for four years? He just stay at his room and like, talk to his shadow. <laughs> uh, I, and I'd like to say, well, maybe that was the only one, but yeah. he wasn't there. There were a lot. And it was always, like I said, it was always these, these young officers are put in a, a bad position, right? Cause you come right out of college. Well, think about your typical college graduate. You're 22. You know, I don't know what your GPA was. Did you take college serious or did you go to UC Santa Barbara party school? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know like who this person is or what, but now you're put in charge. And if we have to go to combat, you're going to lead these, these troops. Yeah. Right. So all I ever heard from LTs were, was fix it NCOs or make it happen. There was never any guidance or there was never any explanation as to what was wrong. They'd come in, oh, this is screwed up. This is wrong. Fix it, NCOs, and then walk out. And then where did they go? I don't know. I don't know if they were hearing some of your stories. Like I remember you saying, yeah, they would go to the pool. It's like, man, if I ever see that kid again, I'm going (laughs) to punch him in the face. There was a lot of crap I had to do because he was a moron. Yeah. And – you know, I, I've said it multiple times that leadership, it, it, it can be taught, right? But it's a trait, just like anything else. Like I said, you know, I, I can learn how to shoot a jumper, right? In basketball, right? But I'm never going to play like Michael Jordan. 
I, I just don't have his natural ability. Yeah. And leadership's the same way. And I saw that in you. I saw that in Fernando. I saw that in Maryland and Lou Cheshire. What you guys had that was what was different is you guys didn't try to change me. What each time, each one of you, I met at a different stage in my in my life and my career, and I make I don't hide it anymore that I, I had a serious drinking problem, and it was at different stages, right? And I was struggling with that, yeah. and I was struggling with just trying to deal with things at home and stupid people at work. And you guys didn't try to crush my soul and change me. You worked with what I had and took whatever I had to give and used it for the benefit of the team, as opposed to as some two guys that we know who, came in and just, wow, uh, we're just going to ruin your career and get you out of here and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right. And, and that, that's the point I'm trying to make is that like you, Fernando, Marilyn, and you Cheshire. And, you know, I know you guys are going to be fine. Marilyn's doing great. You know, oh, yeah. I don't know where, again, I don't know where Fernando is, but I'm sure he's just sitting in a room coming Scratching. up with ideas, <laughs> million dollar ideas. Right. Yeah. And old Lou Cheshire, I, I think he's, Bezos number two at Amazon by now. Oh my you know? God. Yeah. Work his way up. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I know you guys will be successful in whatever you do, but the, this podcast is, I guess, geared towards the rest of us knuckle dryers <laughs> who don't have that natural ability. Oh man. Well, I, no, it's, I know you gave yourself a C minus. I don't, I don't think that's fair. And I, you know, I, I think I, mean, I got to say, uh, especially from an officer perspective and, and this isn't you know this isn't to say like ah uh, like you'll you'll never be successful on your own you have nothing to offer whatsoever even though i would argue as a 22 year old kid fresh out of undergrad you, you probably have a lot more learning to do than before you start knife handing people and tell the ncos to get things done but yeah i mean i, I don't know man it uh, i appreciate the sentiment but it always felt I, I remember very vividly um, showing up to the unit and I felt like, um, you know, maybe it was the small team environment, but I felt like you were pretty transparent with me and it made it, you know, it made it pretty easy. Like you, um, maybe, maybe that's, that's a mistake a lot of officers make. They just kind of assume that everything's a well-oiled machine and things are just, you know, people are just cogs and wheels and things are supposed to work. Uh, I feel like, the Navy's kind of that way, right? The way their, their officers order sailors around. But, um, yeah, number one, like being a GWAT army and like, you know, I, I came in in the middle of this thing. Uh, I think it had bred a little more humility, uh, in the officer ranks and like, you know, a lot more closeness just between ranks, but yeah, maybe like the guys before just never stopped to ask you, Hey man, what do you need? You know, instead of just saying, hey, I need a safety. Hey, I need this. You know, hey, I need that. Hey, I need a medic. Hey, we need this, you know, shoot detail. Um, and I remember we had that conversation pretty early on. And I was like, man, how, how are you doing? And you're like, I'm tired, man. <laughs> you know, like, so, you know our, I'm, I'm coming in fresh, so I'm all excited. You know, we're supposed to have our, uh, it would have been my first rotation in that new job. And I think it was your 10th. 
Um, yeah, that was it was my fifth team sergeant rotation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and actually, well, at one point we thought we were going to one country and then they switched it up uh, after a series of unfortunate events. But <laughs> we ended up going to a place. It was your third rotation back to the same country. And yeah, I mean, um, I, I think just having those conversations with you, uh, just, just seeing where you were at, I mean, yeah, I mean, you were very transparent about just, Hey man, like I'm tired. My bones don't work the way they used to, but I'm going to give you everything I've got. And, you know, I've told people I've, and I've, I've told plenty of people, uh, Play of NCOs like down the road, uh, like man, um, my 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 first team sergeant at, you know what he said was like fifteen to twenty percent <laughs> was still better than uh, what what you get out of a lot of people giving their hundred percent. So I was I was grateful. I felt like I don't know I I, I couldn't want for anything else, but the um, yeah man, I think it was just going back, just being a human being, you know, and, and communicating. And, uh, I know it sounds all kind of wishy-washy, maybe counterintuitive for crusty combat vets, but that's really what it was. I mean, how many times did we stop and have like, we used to call them like family chats, you know, in the team house, like, Hey, uh, you know, uh, guys are fighting. We should probably sit down hash things out. And there were, it was therapeutic. It was good. You know, walk away from it feeling better. Um, we had some tense moments, right? It was, it was hot down there. Like, uh, I know there, we didn't agree all the time, right? There, we definitely had some standoffs, but we always worked it out. And, uh, I, I always respected that you're always honest with me. So I, I don't know, man, I, I appreciate the sentiment, but it, it felt easy. You know, it was, it was really, we had a good team. Well, that's what I'm trying to say. Cause prior to you getting there, I was, you know what? I'm just going to go tell Sergeant Ranger. I quit, dude. I don't need to you do whatever you want with me, but I'm not going. Yeah, like, I've had enough. Like I, we tried, right? We we actually we actually lobbied at one point. Once you made it clear, you were like, "Look, I gotta look after my family. I'm trying to like get my party straight. Like I'm burned out." I was like, "Yeah, like, dude, let's 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 take care of this." And well, it was crazy, right? Like the the pushback. His, his I loved his reasoning of wow. Yes, I understand team sergeants need to do 24 months, but the new policy is 36 months or 24 months deployed as a team sergeant. Wait, what? Dude. (laughs) Yeah, it's made it about some regulation instead of – It was awesome because he let two other team sergeants go who did one rotation. He's like, yeah, you're good. Don't don't worry about it. And (laughs) uh, Whatever, man. That's the Army. I get it. That's, sure, that's, sure. that's how it goes. Um, but that guy wasn't a leader because he yeah. just couldn't, just couldn't give me a straight answer of, Hey, I need you there. So that's where you're going to be. And that's all I would have taken was, Hey, I get it. You're upset. You're mad. Go for a run, go work out. How about you take a day off and you just take a sledgehammer and just, Break a bunch of cinder blocks and get it out of your system. I'll give you a three-day weekend. And then yeah. come back on Tuesday, and now it's time to get back to work. But that never dawned on him because he was a phony baloney leader, and it's easier just to make up bullshit excuses. You know, and I, I think, too, like you start to – unfortunately, right? You start to take your guys for granted because – 
you know, at that point, uh, like you said, it was your, your fifth team start rotation. You're pretty senior uh, within the unit. And I guess the mindset was like, yeah, of course he can handle it. Of course it's fine. You know, like don't don't ask him his opinion. He's he's a soldier. It's fine. You know, he's he's been in this long. What's another rotation? And um, I guess this is pretty novel thinking. Maybe it's more widespread, but I mean it. It's it's only pretty recently we started reorienting, like you know, this people first idea. I, I think they actually updated the leadership manual and put the word empathy in there. It's like well, if we don't actually physically put this word in the manual, people just are <laughs> are not gonna. Uh, not going to abide by it. And um, yeah, I, th- I think it just comes back to being a human being that, you know, like it's, uh, it's, it's not some, some great magical effort or like a guide you have to follow. Like just, just check in with your guys, you know, see, see where they're at. Um, any given day of the week, we might not be operating at a hundred percent. You know, the conversation we're having before we jumped on just uh, like, it's, it's okay to not be a hundred percent every day you walk in, you know, it's, I think there used to be a lot of that stuff, like check your attitude at the door, be a professional. And, uh, I think what happens is you end up just suppressing a lot of that. And I wonder, I can't help but wonder sometimes a lot of behavioral health issues we have with, within the army. I mean, naturally it comes from traumatic events, combat, you know, just jarring events like that. But I wonder if some of it isn't, just a result of buildup like that, you know, like maybe take, you know, that, that event, you know, that traumatic event where you got blown up, survived, and then you were just told not to talk about it for 10 years or suck it up because people have seen worse. And well, you know, well, that was this country. You should have been in this other country where this other thing happened. Everyone's one upping each other. And that was just, it turns into like a cancer. So it's, it's so much worse down the road than if you had just addressed it. Um, you know, right then and there. The yeah. PTSD competition. Oh my God. You don't have PTSD. I have PTSD. Yeah, let me t- you can be the old time. You can be the heavyweight champ of PTSD. <laughs> I'll give it to you. Cause I don't want it. It's yeah. Like what is, what is this? What are we measuring here? You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, maybe that's part of the culture. Um, I don't know. I, I hope. I hope we're weeding that out with, with new generations, but um, I don't know. Get get back to your original point just about leadership. Uh, you know, I know coming on talking about how those leadership skills translate. Like, even though I haven't made the jump yet, um, a lot of officers do kind of, they, they call it like the, the five and fly, you know, they'll just like do that company grade time and, and dip out. So a lot of my friends are, are now in the civilian sector and, I, you know, maybe living vicariously through them, I could, I could relate uh, some of their experiences and they would 100% agree with you. Like, I mean, imagine the shock of like, you know, you deployed Afghanistan, you do your 250 combat patrols, you got your bronze star because you're a lieutenant, you served and you take all your DD-214 paperwork and you head to your first job and your resume has like your military accomplishments, like your army commendation medal and all that cool stuff. And that company is just like, okay, like we we've got like twelve of you lined up today, <laughs> you know, or uh, what? What is like? Thank you for your service, but what? What? What is this doing for our, you know, <laughs> our, our company? And, um, and this is something you've you know you've spoken a lot about on your show uh, with guys that have transitioned. Just 
either finding a way to translate that or just recognizing like, like, dude, thank you for your service, but maybe it isn't what, like not trying to diminish anyone's accomplishments in the military, but in terms of translating, like, like you said, sometimes you just got to hang it up and look back at that time fondly. You could call up your, your old vet buddies and, you know, I mean, we, we still do, right. Tell stories about the old times, but, uh, it's not going to help you as much as you thought maybe in your, in your new career path. So I'm pretty active on LinkedIn now. And I, uh, you know, part of several groups and I've seen uh, multiple people who are getting out and they're asking for tips on the resumes. Right. And so I click on there to look at the resume and it's listing field artillery. So-and-so it's like, nobody knows what that is. Yeah. Nobody knows what, infantryman is they might have some idea but they don't know and here's the crazy thing when recruiters go in they type in keywords and they're not typing in field artillery they're not (laughs) typing in infantrymen they're not typing in bronze star yeah put in the job that you all of our like my job titles i had i don't know 20 different resumes yeah and my job titles were different program manager project manager junior project manager. If I applied for something on post at Fort Bragg that was specific for the military, then I put in there operations sergeant, you know, first sergeant, operations sergeant, uh, instructor, because I know that's a big one, right? Yeah. Um, So, you know, initially I didn't tailor my resumes, but I started tailoring them to the job that I was applying to. And they weren't very wordy. They were basic, basic resumes, yeah. Yeah. but they had what I needed. Um, the place where I'm working at now, it's, it's great. And they said they had three of us who interviewed and they told me the other two gentlemen who submitted their resumes is like, we didn't understand anything that was on these resumes. <laughs> it was like, thank God our, the boss was in the military because he was able to translate it for us. We, yeah. we didn't understand what they were putting out. Dude, I had, uh, one of my one of my buddies. He's he's not a military guy. One of my childhood friends. Uh, he works up in New York, and he hit me. He sent me a message. He was like, "Hey, man, can you look at this resume for me? I, I think this guy was in the army, but like, I don't understand anything I'm looking at." And it was all exactly what you described. Like, you know, this guy was uh, an air defense something or other, and like accomplishments, meritorious service medal. Like, he's like, "Is is that good?" I think it's it's not bad, but it's not uh, maybe not something I'd put on my resume to apply to a. I think it was like a healthcare management firm. You know? um, sounds cool, I guess. So I explained yeah, this. I explained this to uh, one of the my bosses. It's like so again, a lieutenant, right, in the eighty second when we went into Iraq the second time, right. Um, this lieutenant was put in charge of directing the vehicles that were coming in uh, into port. In, yeah. in Kuwait, and then we're going out to Camp Udari. Okay. And so they had to direct the traffic, right? Too much. Too much for this LT. Broke down. Oh, Broke man. down crying. Came into the talk crying. Lieutenant <laughs> Colonel said, all right, we're going to give you this job. Two days later, broke down crying. Couldn't handle it. Oh, wow. Ten Colonel said, you're going to be in charge of making sure that the Port Johns are emptied. <laughs> you, you just call the contractor and make sure that they're here to empty it. We went into Iraq. They stayed in Kuwait, and that was their job for six months. 
Oh, I, I bet they crushed that job. <laughs> oh, they got a bronze star. Oh, get out, man. They got a bronze star. So I try God to explain to people, me. nobody cares about your medals because <laughs> so many have been given out. What do they even mean? Unless you're, unless you're like, we're seriously injured or I'm not trying to put down anybody's award, but the, we all know that there were a lot of awards <laughs> that were given, just given out. Sure. Yeah. There, there were some, some people who earned them. They went above and beyond and they earned those awards. And there mm. were some people that, what's your rank? Here you go. Here you go. Brown stars <laughs> for everybody. What's your rank? Staff stars and buds. Brown stars. <laughs> like, come on, man. I, I will say, and this is kind of, this is kind of a tangent, but I mean, you know how I feel about that too. Like, Hi, everyone. So this is where part one of my discussion with Al ends, and I'll have part two posted here shortly. Again, I want to make sure that the episodes are no more than, you know, they're between 30 and 40 minutes. And uh, so we'll talk to you next time. All right. Remember, you're important, you're special, and you do better. Take care of your physical and your mental health. All right. Until next time, we'll talk to you later. Zot, zot, zot. And roll tide.